Welcome back to the second part of the episode where I continue the discussion on real estate tax. In the first segment of this episode, CA Nitesh Budhadev shared valuable insights into real estate tax regulations, simplifying the concepts of exemptions and deductions allowed on real estate incomes. We also explored the implications of joint ownership, specifically whether including a spouse's name helps in reducing tax liability. If you missed that, I recommend you give it a listen. I'll be waiting right here. Now in the second part, I will further discuss with Nitesh to understand the tax implications of selling real estate. When you are selling out this asset, okay? When you sell out any capital asset, the gain or loss you made out of this is called as capital gain or capital loss. Now this capital gain or loss depends upon that asset you held before selling, how many months you held that asset before selling that asset. So if you are holding that asset for less less than 24 months and you are selling that asset that's called short-term capital gain because you are holding the asset for less than 24 months now whatever capital gain arise out of that let's say you bought a house for one crore and uh, you sold it for two crore okay and it's less than 24 months for example so now this is a short-term capital gain on in this gain amount you pay as per your slab rate that's for the short-term capital gain but when you are holding any house before selling for at least 24 months, that's considered as a long-term capital gain. And why there is a difference of this long-term and short-term? Because the tax rate differs. So in case of a long-term capital gain, in case of a, a property, you pay 20% tax after the indexation. Now, we might be aware about the indexation, but let me just uh, brush up on that. So what is that indexation? Government is giving again incentive, okay? that if you are holding a property for more than 24 months, okay? And in this 24 months, let's say you're holding this property for five years or 10 years or more than 24 months, okay? That is the inflation in India. You can adjust the cost price of your property with the inflation. That's in simple plain vanilla language uh, inflation. We'll discuss in uh, with example, uh, but this is how the 20% tax on the capital gain amount is, uh, arrived at so how that uh, if, if i go into the calculation of this uh again by example i would like to explain ashish how that works let's say you are holding a property uh and you're selling right now at one crore you bought the property at 40 lakh and this is for more than two years let's say i bought a property before uh, eight years or ten years now 40 lakh is the cost of the property and i'm selling at one crore common sense says that 60 lakh is the profit and you need to pay tax on that but what the tax law says that the 40 lakh rupees of the cost, okay, that's the cost. But when you are selling it after a few years, there is an inflation in India. So you adjust with the cost inflation index. This cost inflation index data is published by government every year. So what I need to do, my cost price, which is 40 lakhs into what is the inflation index right now divided by what is the inflation index when I bought the property. In short, what I'm doing is adjusting with the inflation, but how I get that inflation number. And that's why government publishes this data of cost inflation index. Let's assume hypothetically by applying that formula, my cost comes instead of 40 lakhs, 50 lakhs. So now I'm selling the property for what crore? I bought for 40 lakhs. That's the cost of acquisition, but I can do the index cost of acquisition. So now my property is costing me 50 lakh rupees. So now I need to pay only tax on the 50 lakh amount and that also at the 
20% flat rate irrespective of I might be in 5%, 20% or 30% slack. So this is how the indexation works when it comes to a capital gain. So if that's a self-occupied property, maximum interest I can deduct is 2 lakh, right? Now there can be any additional uh, interest element to that, yeah, that you can carry forward for next 8 years and then you can set off against the other years. But maximum allowed is 2 lakh for self-occupied property. If it's a let out, as we discussed, it is unlimited interest. You can set off in the same, uh, you can uh, adjust in the same year. And if the loss from house property is going beyond 2 lakh, okay, then I can get maximum 2 lakh rupees of carry forward in the let out property also. Thanks for explaining this. Are there any further tax benefits we can get, Nitesh? If I'm selling out the house and there is a capital gain, as we discussed, let's assume out of 1 crore, 50 lakh is my cost and 50 lakh rupees is my capital gain. On this 50 lakh, as we discussed, we need to pay 20% tax, which is 10 lakh rupees. Or on this 50 lakh rupees, I pay 20%, which is 10 lakh rupees. What if I don't want to pay this tax? The income tax is as per section 54. If you invest the capital gain amount, so that's the 50 lakh in our example. If I invest the capital gain amount into another property, okay? before one year of selling the house or two years after the selling the house or let's say I want to construct a house then you construct the house within three years of selling this property then whatever capital gain you have and you invest that capital gain into another house you don't need to pay any tax that's the section 54 the things we need to remember don't sell the new house you are buying within next three years also the maximum benefit you can take is of 10 crore so if your capital gain turns out to be, let's say, 12 crore, the maximum capital gain you can exempt, get the exemption is of 10 crore. That's the house you are selling and buying the another house. Now, let's say someone don't want to buy another house. Is there any other way? Then comes the 54 EC section for that savior. You invest in capital gain bond. It's called as capital gain bond 54 EC. Under that, uh, there is two companies bond available, REC and NHAI. In this bond, you can invest up to 50 lakh rupees within the six months of selling that property. So if I invest the capital gain within the six months of selling the property into this bond and the maximum limit is 50 lakh, this bond has a approximate interest rate of 5% and whatever you invest would be locked in for five years. So these are the two main benefits. Either you invest in another house or you invest in these bonds. And you don't need to pay any tax on the uh, capital gain you have uh, calculated. Okay. So if I'm selling, a, a, let's say, land or a shop and all that thing, then can I invest uh, into another house in section 54? No. So so that that's the difference here. So mainly this, as, as we were discussing, mainly this benefit is given considering that uh, Roti Kapra Makan, uh, that residential house, uh, given this uh, favorable treatment, and not the commercial property. Great. And thanks again for sharing with such clarity. Allow me to be a bit more inquisitive and ask, do we have any additional ways to save on taxes? That's quite interesting because, see, uh, what I'm going to talk about next is uh, less aware. Then comes the another section called 54F, which is not very well known, uh, not very well understood, I believe, uh, not very well discussed also. So that 54F section says that if you have gain from any long-term capital asset. We need to emphasize on the wordings of this section, any long-term capital asset. They are not talking about only house property, okay? And when I say any long-term capital asset, 
as I discussed, it can be my long-term equity shares, long-term equity mutual fund. It can be my uh, physical gold. It can be my ESOP. So if I have any long-term capital asset, which I'm selling and I have a gain. Now, if I don't want to pay tax on this, you invest into a house property. But the interesting part here, Asis, is that you have to invest the whole net proceeds and not just the capital. So that's a quite difference between the section 54 and 54F. So let's say if I have a capital gain of 50 lakh and the amount total I get is 1 crore. If I want to take benefit of this section, I need to invest whole 1 crore to take the benefit of this section. So if I don't invest the full 1 crore, I get the proportionate. That is also option. So any long-term capital asset, the gain you have, you invest into a residential out property. The, the other part remains same. Buy before one year of redeeming that capital asset or buy within two years or construct a property in three years. Don't sell out in three years and the 10 crore limit all remains same. Thank you, Nidesh, for providing such elaborate explanations. I'm confident that many of us will gain a clear understanding of real estate tax planning. Now to delve a little deeper into a few other areas, I'm joined by CA Arvind Rao, the founder of Arvind Rao Associates and another tax expert. It's a pleasure to have you on the show, Arvind. Could you shed some light on how GST impacts real estate transactions in India? So when I'm buying a property, GST becomes a cost to me in case I'm investing in a property which has not yet received its uh, occupation certificate or under construction as we call it. So all properties bought under construction, the buyer has to take up a GST cost, which could be substantial, one. Number two, on uh, letting out, the GST rules are a bit complicated, but if I were to put it in simple terms, uh, there is no GST on residential uh, properties that are let out for residences. Uh, but if you are letting out a commercial property, then uh, GST becomes applicable. Of course, it is subject to the threshold of 20 lakhs. So up to 20 lakhs, you need not bother. But if the rent is surpassing that, whether it is rent of one or multiple properties put together, uh, GST becomes applicable uh, at that time, at that point in time. So then you need to be uh, registered under GST and ensure that you're getting all the compliances in place. And what if total revenue, including income from other heads, exceeds INA 20 lakhs? Does that mean I need to charge GST on rent? Yes. So that's the tricky bit. Like um, typically the interest incomes that you earn are not liable to GST. Uh, but certain kinds of uh, other incomes might be liable. So I think on a case-to-case -case basis, one should get it examined whether... Uh, a sum of the rent and these incomes put together, if they're crossing 20, uh, they would be liable to get registered. But things like your salary income or if you are a partner in any firm and if you are drawing a remuneration from those firms, uh, these kind of incomes are not under the GST. Thanks for clarifying this. How about NRIs? What are the tax implications for NRIs investing in real estate in India? So I think... As regards the income that a non-resident earns from a property investment in India, the taxation is no different from the way it is for a resident here. The only thing that is different is that um, the rent when it comes to them, 
will ideally or rather should ideally come with a withholding uh, or TDS as it is popularly called uh, of 30%. So if, if I am leasing a flat from an, and my landlord is a non-resident, uh, it is my liability to deduct 30% TDS from the rent that I pay to the non-resident. Of course, the rental income is liable to tax as per slab rates for the non-resident. So when they do their tax filings in India, uh, there is a probability they may be able to claim back some or maybe a major portion of the TDS that gets deducted. But then it's a function of what are their other incomes uh, in India. But once they start letting out the property, I think, they need to register that uh, they, they need to begin uh, filing their taxes in India uh, because um, uh, the the extent to which um, cross reportings and uh, uh, the information that is being collected by the tax department um, is reaching new highs. So, in fact, even uh, in the recently uh, in December 23, which happens to be the last day to file the returns, a lot of mailers went to people who were not filing saying that, you know, we know that you are earning these kinds of income. So, especially non-residents. Uh, so, I think they need to keep this in mind that they need to start their tax filings uh, once they let out this property. Uh, second is, uh, when they are selling their property in India, um, there is a, again, there is a withholding that comes there. Uh, the rate there is 20%. Uh, the law says that uh, the buyer has to deduct 20% on the capital gains uh, that the non-resident is making when they're selling the property. But, you know, uh, practically it is impossible for a buyer to know the exact amount of capital gains. So, the what happens um, actually is that uh, the buyer deducts 20% from the entire sale proceeds. So, uh, that could impact the cash flows for the non-resident uh, because they may be selling a property, let's say for 5 crores, but if there's a 20% TDS that is withheld, uh, if you add the surcharges and cess, it could go as high as almost 25%. So 25% on 5 crores is almost like a crore and 25 shaved off. Uh, again, like I mentioned earlier, uh, if they are reinvesting this money in another property, there is a possibility that they can claim back this TDS. But uh, that's only when they file the return. At the source, this money will get deducted. So I think this TDS is, is a big cost uh, for NRIs because uh, uh, the cash flows look very different from uh, in case this TDS does not uh, was not applicable like it is in the case of a resident individual. Other than this, uh, yeah, I think non-residents are happy to invest in India. Thank you, Arvind. This is very useful. Understanding the nuances of tax regulations can significantly impact our financial decisions. And remember, when it comes to making important financial decisions, qualified financial advisors from One Finance can be a useful source of expert advice. Let's take control of our financial destinies with confidence and mindfulness. If you found this valuable, then help us spread the message. And until next time, stay financially empowered. This is Temperament by One Finance, produced by Wine Studio, and I'm your host, Ashish Shabla. Investment in securities market are subject to market risks. Read all related documents carefully before investing. The securities quoted 
are for illustration only and are not recommendatory.